I mean, I call the pitches here at Vanderbilt, but that night I called five pitches. Wow. I called five. I, I called the first five pitches of the game, followed by a pickoff. Um, I did call a few after that that were every single one of them was shook to another pitch. And when Phil Clark came in after the first inning, he looked at me and said, it's different tonight. Gentlemen, welcome to episode nine of Mountain Visit with Jason Grilly. I'm one of your hosts, Casey Honigbaum, alongside the MLB All Star, the 13 year Major League Baseball veteran, Jason Grilly. Before we get into the episode, we want to remind you subscribe to the channel, Top 100 Sports Network. You can watch the podcast on YouTube if you want to just listen. Follow the show on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Leave a comment, leave a rating. It really helps us out. Follow us on social media. Twitter, TikTok, Instagram at Top100SportsNet. You could find some little clips there, and we post some some things with some of the guests that we're going to get on. And speaking of guests, we've got a very special one for you today. If you know baseball, if you're a baseball fan, you know Vanderbilt University, the Vandy boys. Well, today, we've got Syracuse native Scott Brown. He's the pitching coach at Vanderbilt University, and he's got some awesome insight not only on the pitching side, but the game of baseball in general, and he's going to answer some of your questions. Him and Jason go way back, so there's some awesome stories. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Welcome back, everybody. Great hump day. Mound visit, man. This is a great one for me. Uh, Lifetime friend and foe, Scott Brown from Syracuse, New York, Liverpool High School. Foe, uh, we battled a lot in high school. Now the Vanderbilt Pitching coach, man, Scott, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today, man. Uh, it's great to be here, Grill. Thanks for having me. and Always a pleasure to talk baseball with you. I know that. So I'm excited for this. Absolutely. Yeah, we're super excited to have you, Scott, and we appreciate you joining us. And I think uh, a great way to start this episode off would be, um, I mean, Vanderbilt is is known now. I mean, it's a powerhouse in college baseball. If you're a baseball player coming up through you know, middle school, high school, even other college players, they know who Vanderbilt is. They know what the program has become. Um, talk a little bit about what it's like to be there. And I, I think a lot of people know the program and they know kind of that culture of excellence that, that Tim Corbin, uh, the head coach, has built and, and that you're, you yourself are helping to run. So talk a little bit about that and just what it's like to, to be at that program and, and uh, you know, help coach those players. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, I appreciate the kind words about the program, but uh, you don't take it for granted. I mean, I think that's the first step is just, you know, you realize that, yeah, you're in a great situation and, um, you know, you've put a lot of hours in to get to a point like this. The players put a lot of hours in and, uh, you know, you just say, hey, every day is just another day that ends in Y. And you're like, you know, you're just moving forward with, you know, daily energy. And I think, you know, when you start really thinking about, you know, Tim Corbin and what he brings to Vanderbilt baseball on a daily basis for me. I mean, this is my 11th season and it's, uh, you know, it's high standards of performance. There's expectations of behavior and character and all that stuff that's put into it. But I think the thing that excites me the most is that, you know, there, you know what you're getting every day. It's very consistent. Um, the energy brought from the top all the way down to the players. It, it, it's 
it's every day. I mean, and it's, it's fun to be a part of. Um, and it's a very holistic approach. You know, there's a lot of things that um, we spend time on, you know, outside of baseball, you know, educating the players. So it, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's, uh, you know, if you're a guy that's got a growth mindset, kind of a term that people use, um, it's inside the program daily, you know, and, and I, that's something that I, I really enjoy. Well, I, I, I can condone that and what you're saying and edify that because, you know, my son and I, we came to see you before his season started here. He's a freshman and a lot of boys dreams. It's my son's dream to look at a top tier program. I remember when you and I grew up, we had visions of going and being a part of D1 programs, even professional ranks. But I can tell you, if you can't get excited about going on your campus, about the facilities that you have for these young men to really develop and bolster their careers, I, it's better than some of the facilities in the minor leagues, and it, it even rivals some of the big league facilities that I've been a part of. So it's a really a factory and a credit to the university to keep you know building and obviously the <laughs> this all-star cast of players that have turned out that come back and probably make some donations and and uh, kick back to the program that, that helped develop them. It is amazing what you guys have at your fingertips. And, and to that, you know, like I said, even the classroom, right, that you and the, the head coach there, Corby, can, can just teach these kids and talk to them uh, just about what it is to be a, a Division One player and a good, good person. Yeah, and I think that's really the, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head, Grill. It's That's really what, you know, Corbs' identity is, you know, at the end of the day, baseball is a part of our life. It's, you know, and if we're fortunate enough to be like you to play for, you know, maybe the longevity of a, a career, you still, you know, you still have over half your life left. And you need to have a skill set in order to, you know, be an impactful person beyond baseball. And I think that's really the goal and objective of, you know, Coach Corbin first and foremost is great facilities to train in, teaching you work ethic, teaching you routine, but end of the day we're trying to create leaders inside the you know the world and, and it really starts inside your family you know and i think that's the big big thing that he focuses in on you know daily so especially in Nashville, where there's a lot of trouble to be had you know there's a lot of temptation in the town that you got a lot of music a lot of nightlife i'm sure as a college kid uh that's got to be something that's talked about too because i know you and i growing up we had some some things that told us just like so they could sweat you and i think that if you're gonna if you're gonna play that game but uh you know nashville's a great town the campus is unbelievable but uh i'm sure that's a that's a big thing that you guys gotta reel in as well you know keeping you guys ready yeah and you, i mean i think you talk about it you address it i mean it's part of life you know there's experiences that you know we're all going to go through at a young age that, you know, shape us. We have to make decisions. And at, at the end of the day, you're just trying to get your guys to make the right decision. You know, they, they can't, they can socially have fun, but you know, you're playing at Vanderbilt, you're playing in the SEC conference. You got, you know, you're a high level division one player with aspirations of being a professional. And, you know, you go through the professional ranks and you're, you're going city to city to city. You have to make those decisions too, you know, as a player and, and it's part of your life. So, Starting to make those at a younger age and sacrifices to be where you want to be at the end. Um, it's all part of it. But, it, you know, at the same time, you try to have a lot of fun, you know, inside your team environment. And I think that's, you know, really what we try to emphasize with our guys is just, you know, getting together as much as you can socially together, you know, celebrating things as a team and, you know, developing great relationships throughout the, you know, your time here. 
it's a good point and i i think kind of what you said about you know a lot of kids coming to vanderbilt and having professional aspirations and you know there is not i mean it's not a short list of people who have gone on to have you know really so far successful careers in the major leagues and i think a, a lot about you know some of the kids that you've been able to coach and um you know that you've helped develop you know some of the names that come to mind obviously in the last couple of years you think about Kumar Rocker and and Jack Leiter can you talk a little bit about because I know a lot I'm sure a lot of people will want to know what was it like to to coach those kids and 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 you know when you have a talent like that how do you balance and this is something especially kind of as a second uh follow-up question but how do you balance that as not only a um you know, as a coach trying to get in there and help them, um, you know, develop, but then also balancing their natural talent and making sure you let that shine through as well. Well, I think you hit it on the head right there. You know, their natural talent, you know, you, the guy that's on this podcast with us, I mean, they're wired differently. They're just <laughs> wired a little bit differently than, you know, other guys. I mean, they, they have this burning aspiration to, to, they're, they're goal oriented. They're they're motivated. They they have high believability in what they're able to do. And you know, I think as a coach, it doesn't change. You just try to keep them on the rails. Don't let them get off the rails. You know, there's there's not a lot of guys. You know, and you speak of these guys like Rocker and Lighter, and, and really could probably say there's not a lot of coaches that make these wholesale changes in these individuals that like alter their careers in ways. It, it's usually just small things it's mental it's structure it's routine it's confidence it's maybe helping them develop a little bit of a new pitch you know that they can trust a little bit more because a lot of guys come in out of high school with good velocity and a good breaking ball or something you know and get away with things that maybe you're not going to get get away with as you climb the you know the ladder in different levels so it's just little things like that i mean I, there isn't this mechanical breakdown it's not technique you know those, those guys are they have those they, if they didn't, they wouldn't be at that level right now. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, is, is helping them, you know, reach what they want to do and, and also protecting them from themselves sometimes. Those guys are so motivated in what they want to do that they sometimes can find themselves trying to be perfectionists. And, and, and they got to go out there and throw, you know, no hitters and shutouts every time. Like the game's not played that way. It's right. just not going to happen. Especially the, based, the guys yeah. On the, yeah. Yeah. The guys on the other side have the bat in their hand, you know, the ball – the ball can fall in different places. Uh, you know, we got a human being making calls behind home plate that we're you know, putting our faith in that he's going to call it right. Uh, there's a lot of luck involved. So showing them that, you know, even after maybe a subpar outing, that they're not that far off. It's just, you know, a couple balls here and there, bounces, a little yeah. luck here and there. You just want to keep their confidence and their mentality at the level it needs to be at all the time. Well, speaking of luck, uh, I feel like that you are one of the luckiest guys because I'm no longer in uniform. And I preach this all the time on my podcast, everybody keep the uniform on mm -hmm. as long as possible. I want to put the spotlight back on you, buddy, because I want to talk about your little flight from Liverpool, New York, where we brawled at home plate <laughs> to how you to, you know, your career in college, uh, how you coached at St. John's with Ed Blankmeyer. I know I want you to speak a little bit about Eddie, what he's done for you in your career and how you wound up at Vanderbilt. Give us a little background timeline from, from Syracuse, New York, as my friend and foe, <laughs> how you got to the seat you're sitting in now, man. Well, the first thing I'd say, Grill, is I think, you know, let's talk about that brawl at home plate. I mean, you pitched a heck of a game. There's no question about it. But, you know, you look back at the tape, 
unfortunately, neither of us were in that brawl. I was down in the bullpen, and I think you might have been hiding in a corner, right? Back in the dugout, is that true? No, I was against the fence. I was like, wait, these are my friends, and people like the people don't know is we played Beeville, Baldwinsville, New York, and Liverpool. We played summer ball together. So our friends were fighting for the, the championship game, the last game at, at legendary MacArthur Stadium, where the Syracuse Chiefs at the time were the Toronto Blue Jays, AAA affiliate. Uh, we got to play one of the best games, a legendary game. It was like, what, 5,000 people there maybe? Like the whole town was coming to see us play. And, uh, yeah, you, we have that tape, that footage, if you can bring it up on YouTube. You got just the tracking on the VHS tape because we're – we're that old, 1994. But, yeah, no, I was sitting there going, like, I was shocked that my friends were, were – it was a meaningful game, but we're fighting right now after the game's over. I know. For those for those who are listening, if you tune in on, on YouTube, I'm going to throw that video up uh, over this so people can see it. But, yeah, walk us through that for, for those who don't know what's going on. Well, it was a great game. I mean, I had pitched the Wednesday before um, – in the sectional semifinals that Utica Proctor and Grilly had, had pitched a Monday, you know, and leading into it. And he was able to go on that Saturday when we played. Um, and we had a left-hander going and they both just, they were outstanding. It was zero to zero <laughs> all the way through. And they ended up squeezing at the end. And uh, there was melee at home play collision, um, you know, old school baseball catcher knocked out. Uh, ball laying on the ground, game over, brawl ensues. Um, and, you know, no one really knew what to, to do at that time. I mean, it just was wow. And uh, they ended up winning the sectional there. Um, tough loss, tough way to take a loss. But, you know, at the same time, you look back and like really said, is like we, we had to regroup fast because we were teammates going forward. And that was the part that like, you know, a couple guys inside that brawl that had initiated it potentially, um, you know, we had to, we had to kind of accept them because they were intricate parts of our summer team and we were good. We were really, really good as, in, in summer baseball. You're taking two of the better high school programs in the, in the state and combining, I mean, um, all the way 13 through 18, we were playing for championships in that Babe Ruth organization. And it, it was a lot of fun. I mean, we were, those were parts, you know, I look back at the time frame of the people I was around, you know, coaching us and winning was important to that group. You know, we, we, we had a lot of fun doing it, but like you learned at a young age, like we were competing, you know, we had Grill's dad coaching us in a couple of years, which, you know, just, he had a way about himself that just kind of talked to us through about competing, but he had a good feel of how to like handle 15, 16 year old mm. young developing pitchers and players and talk to them. And then we had some intense coaches too that you know would would send you the message real quick like no no this isn't isn't really how we're going to do things here you guys got to get after it um and it, it, you know it taught us a lot it really did i look back at those years and I, I just think of the memories and you know the people that cared and followed it almost felt like you know when i walk into an sec venue now it's you know that's the best part about the conference is you know, Friday night matters to people in Starkville, Mississippi, and Baton Rouge, and Nashville, Tennessee, and Fayetteville, Arkansas. They're out, and it, it, you know they're paying to watch these guys play. And um, that, that, that started back then. You know, and really talks a little bit about my journey. And I, I was an undersized, small, left-handed pitcher that just competed, and you know was fortunate enough to play with these guys at that time. Um, and just kept playing, just kept playing. I love baseball. I just kept playing all through high school, went to college at 
Corland State, um, you know, <clears throat> was fortunate to play for Steve Owens there. I mean, he, he, I started looking at like my career and how things evolved. And I, I, I tell you the one thing that's, that's really, really important to me. And I, I try to share with younger people, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm getting old, old, but like people ask, you know, how did you get to this point? You know, and I tell them like, I just don't have a point. I just, it's day to day. I'm, I'm, I'm where my feet are. I'm excited to be where I'm at, whether I was coaching at Cortland, my next step at St. John's, um, summer ball inside the New England Collegiate League. It didn't matter to me. I was coaching baseball. I am, I'm, I'm getting paid to coach baseball. I mean, what a lifestyle. And, you know, now that I'm at Vanderbilt, the next question is like head coach. I'm like, if it happens, it happens. I'm just, yeah. I'm coaching great players. I'm, you know, competing at a high level. I, I have a pretty good life here with my wife and four kids and I'm excited about all that stuff. So, you know, the journey is, it's really just one step at a time. It's just, you know, not thinking about, I got to get to this point. I got to get here. You know, it's like, no, you're right here right now. Coach your players to the best of your ability right now to help them have the greatest experience they possibly can have for the next, you know, year here. Because each year is different. Each team is different. Each, you know, players are different year to year. So the um, that's the part to me that I've really, really paid attention to and just kind of focused in on. But, you know, the biggest, the other big parts of it is I've been, man, I've been just, it's hard to even put a, a figure on the people that I've been around coaching. I mean, I said, I mentioned Steve Owens, Joe Brown was the assistant coach at Corlin who took me on as a student assistant, grad assistant out of the gate, gave me an opportunity. The guy's the winningest coach in college baseball right now from, from a winning percentage standpoint. Then I get a job with Ed Blankmeyer at St. John's who coached really, you know, recruited him at Seton Hall. And, you know, he really helped me get the job. He did because, you know, it, actually it's an unbelievable story. You know, here you are in St. John's and Ed Blankmeyer's trying to hire you. He doesn't know you from anybody, but, you know, you got Jason Grilly calling on your behalf. You know, you got some other coaches that are mentioning, hey, you got, you know, this guy's young, energetic, got good work ethic. Uh, I know he's a D3 guy, but hey, give him a shot. And, you know, fortunately for me, that job didn't pay anything. So it didn't attract people. It was great, you know. I mean, Coach Blankmeyer says to me, Blanky says, hey, Brownie, you know, it's a one-horse race and you're winning it. I'll call you the next day. That's how the process ended. <laughs> you know, it's almost like he defaulted. But, um, you know, I, then I spent, you know, nine, nine and a half years there with him. And, uh, I mean, Hall of Fame coach. Tremendous. stuff about Blanky, right? And Blankmeyer, he recruited me uh, as well as put together some pretty – sick talent we had guys 12 or 13 guys my freshman year from the team i was at seton hall uh before and we were so upset when he left seton hall to go to st john's and the opportunity there but he recruited you know him and i'm sure under his tutelage you'd learned a ton more from you can't you can't tell enough about that guy and, and you know it was a pleasure to, to to pass off one of my friends i said this guy knows baseball and, and obviously he does because you wouldn't be sitting in with that Vanderbilt gear on if you didn't. But to learn from a guy like that, we all were really upset Seton Hall when he passed on. But happy for him in the career. And like I said, it wound up being how things align, man. Life is crazy, right? And how you, you get to the point you're at. But glad it's somebody that I know because uh, I used to leave seats for my friends at the at the, at the the games. And, you know, Scott Brown now, I'm calling him up going, hey, can you leave me some tickets? So me and my <laughs> watch you play. So, 
it, it's a great relationship, Ronnie. I, I value, as you know, man, I love you to death. And just to see hometown, like, dreams come true of what, what we love most, baseball. And you guys were so supportive. Obviously, my, my, my rivals, you got the Liverpool High School emblem in the back of your letter from, from high school. And to have guys that really, you guys, I felt, supported me more. Because, uh, you know, it's, it's competitive. It's a little bit of jealousy to, to support me. As I went on, I got drafted and went on, and, and you guys really, uh, Felzer, uh, Ferentz, all those guys, Jackham, all, you know, the guys, know, nobody knows who these names are, but they bring a smile to Brownie's <laughs> face. All the clowns that we grew up with and made us better. I, I, I value those days. I wish I could go back for at least one more summer, right, to live back in those glory days. Good times to get us where we got to, man, but, yeah. It's yeah. funny you uh... – Yeah, I'd say a great story about – Blanky, and you mentioned learning from him. I mean, the tutelage, you know, he, um, you know, the, so many, so many things I could point to, but, you know, 2014, we're sitting in Omaha and he's on the ABCA committee. And um, it's my first trip to Omaha, you know, with Vanderbilt. And he, you know, was out there for some meetings and stuff with the ABCA. And uh, we sat down and had breakfast the morning before the national championship game. And uh, just, I said, hey, Blanks, you got any advice for tonight? And he said, yeah, I do. I said, what's up? He said, listen, tonight in the bullpen, be a batter early. Don't be a batter late. That pitcher out, batter early. And I just sat there and I said, man. So I, that was in the back of my mind the whole game. And I just, you know, obviously I'm, Coach Corbin and I make decisions together and stuff. But I, I wasn't waiting around. I felt like if I, the, the next guy, if I was going to have the pitcher ready for the next guy, he's in now. I'm not going to mess around. I so you just you talk about worldly advice, you know, and then we're fortunate enough to obviously win that game, but and you know the rest is history. But you can't put a price on the nine years with spending with him, you know. And I mentioned a little bit about Hall of Fame coaching. I mean, you, you know, it's you got him, and you know, I mentioned Steve Owens and Joe Brown, and uh, you know, now I'm working under you know or alongside he would say Tim Corbin, you know, one of the, the greatest coaches in any sport in college athletics. I mean. You talk about being around people. I mean, that's you associate yourself with the right people, and you get hooked, and you learn, and you got your ears open. I mean, you can you. There's no stopping where you can get to. You were a six or a seven. You went around tens, and you became a twelve. That's how you did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife would tell you the same thing too. <laughs> it's a it, it's an awesome awesome story, and I I didn't want to. Uh, didn't want to have to say it, but I am an Ithaca College uh, baseball alum, so not not no 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 hard feelings. But I know Cortland Ithaca, but there's a little bit of a rivalry there. But we've got a. I don't worry. I've 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 uh, I could say I've moved on for this for the you know a couple of minutes that we do this show, and then it's right back to business. So, um, but but it, no, I mean it's it's true. There, I mean, talk about a program that you know, and that I think that's the. The cool thing about baseball, too, is when you look at, you know, Division three, um, I think with baseball more so than any sport. I mean, obviously, it's true in, in every sport, but I think more so with baseball, when you look at Division three and the type of talent that can come out of that, not only on the field, but off the field, when you talk about coaching, um, I mean, it doesn't really matter what life you know, the game, you can advance as far as you want to. I mean, would you agree with that? Probably. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, and I mean, this isn't, a, you know, you put it, you look at things. I think when you look at Division Three or even small town, you know, kids like us that came from Syracuse, New York, 
you start looking at the resources. And I think, you know, when you look at like what shapes this is, you know, yes, Jason Grilly was a tremendous pitcher in high school, you know, and he, you know, his dad provided him a lot of tutelage, you know, and he was around good players, but you know, he wasn't playing in a warm weather climate. He wasn't, he didn't have all these velo programs and weight trainings and all these resources. So he made a lot out of a little. And I think when you look at division three players and division three coaches, um, They've had to, they've, they've worn a lot of hats inside a program. They've, you know, been the equipment manager. They're, they're, they're taking care of the maintenance in the field and their travel budgets, their director of operations. They're, they're really, they're doing it all and, and they know how to handle, you know, an entire program because of that. And there's nobody else to help. So their work ethic, their motor is at a different level. And I think when you start looking at successful people, you can tell it's like they got a motor. They, there's a motor to them. And I think a lot of times, you know, the motive too when you're division three players, you play for the, you're playing for the love of the game, the purity yeah. of the game. I mean, it's all relative. I mean, you win a national championship at division three, you look around your right and left, your teammates, you feel the same way you do when you win a national championship at division one. Sure. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. And the lifelong relationships of being on a team and that nobody's going to look and say, well, yeah, you were just a measly D three player. You know, they're going to look at you and say, man, we won it all together. We yeah. were teammates. Like, remember that night? Remember this? Remember that? And it's like, that's what it's all about. That's the camaraderie in sports, you know? And I think, I think you were right on with like, just, you can come from anywhere. If you, you know, and you, our parents told us you know, a long time ago, you can be anything you want to be. There's no question, you know? And I think a lot of times in today's world, you know, for whatever reason it is, you know, people get deterred and you can't. Don't, don't. If you have, if you have vision, Put the action to it. Just keep plowing forward. That's yeah, you're right. Awesome. You're right on the head, man. Teaching drive, you can't teach drive. You can't teach height. You can't teach will. Uh, and like I said, I love that we came out of Syracuse, New York, and made it to as far as we could. And, and the, for the love and respect of the game from those who taught us that love and respect. And to your point, keeping the uniform on, I came. I used a basement. I nailed up a, a, a stinking blanket in the beam of my basement. Down in, in, in Baldensville, New York. And like I said, my eyes were popping out of my head when I went back to Seton Hall and then to go look at what you guys have. I mean, I'm in awe. Like, I'm jealous. I'm jealous because the game will always get better. And the facilities and the players, the progression of uh, of loving and respecting the game, it should get better. Guys should get more. I get pissed off when guys get like, look at what he's making. Well, dude, you had a chance to make a buckload of money, an opportunity when you played, and it was a lot of money then. So if you're a dumb dumb and you didn't do right by your money, then that's your own damn fault. But you know what? It's sad to say that these guys that are making what they're making now, somebody will be broke too. But don't be mad at the progression of the game or if the game got better. If it went reverse, any any business, a pizza shop should scale up, want to scale up and make better pizza and better chicken wings and better atmosphere and more customer service, whatever the case may be. So baseball is no different than that. You know, and in the big leagues, I, I guess, that you know, with all these rule changes, we've had this segment on the on the show, too, uh, talking about topics of like rule change. It could be its own segment, I think, really thoughts on rule changes. <laughs> you know, watching you, your warm ups at Vanderbilt, these guys were practicing bunting and had a whole little station going on stuff that you don't see in the big league level. But again, sidebar to that is just teaching the will of wanting to come out. Of there. I got a friend. Who made it in 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 uh, you know the entertainment world as a musician, a drummer, and we always laugh. We're like, here we are coming out of Syracuse, New York, 
where people go, that's not a hotbed for where people come out of and famous. It doesn't matter where you're from. I try to tell kids and to echo Brownie's statement. Yeah, you want to play at Vanderbilt? That's like, wow, top tier, wow. You know, you got to play. But you can make it as a JUCO player. You get, you know, so maybe you don't have the grades. Maybe you don't. You can always get better. You can always continue developing. And I tell people the same thing. I wasn't the best. I wasn't the biggest. I was a skinny kid. Scott Brown and I were probably the skinniest kids out there, slinging that rock, trying to figure it out. And the will of what we did landed us where we're at. And we just try to uh, thank you for saying that message. Because that's what, coming from a seat that you're in now and looking at your lens, man, thank you for echoing that statement. Because I try to tell kids and my own sons, play where you're going to go play, be yeah. able to play instead of trying to go play somewhere or sign a Division One program where you might be sitting the bench because you're not the best. Go where you're going to play right. and develop. It's a, it, it, it's a great point. And I think, you know, I, a lot of, of what you said, too, when you talk about the um, and both of you have just kind of mentioned it, but how the game and how everything has evolved and grown. And I think that a lot of our questions that we got for you, Scott, are, are kind of centered around that, especially at a program like Vanderbilt. So if you don't mind, I'd love to throw a couple of these at you from our from our listeners. But one of the first ones we got and, um, you know, this is kind of kind of a basic question, but it is it's. I think it's very important, and a lot of kids probably want to know this, especially when they're looking at you know having dreams of a school like Vanderbilt. But you know, one of them asked, "What do you look for in a player?" And, and specifically for yourself, what do you look for in a pitcher when you're recruiting, when you're bringing kids into the program? What are some of the things you you're looking for? Well, aside from the physical, you know, abilities of a player, I mean. Those are measurable now in a lot of ways. I mean, you just, you know, you got radar guns, you got, you know, track man analytics and stuff like that. So, but I think the first thing for me personally is I I want competitors. I mean, you have to be competitive. You know, I, I tell people this all the time. Like I tell my own son this, I tell my daughter when I'm playing connect Four, my youngest daughter, it's like, listen, when we're in competition, I love you. I love you to death. But when we're in competition, if it comes down to me or you, it's me. Every single time, it's me. I don't know why we play games. I don't know how people think any differently. It's like if I'm, we're going to turn on the lights and compete, I got one thing on my mind, and that's to beat you. And it's just like I, today I'm like, so finding players that have those fibers that align with me and my personality are big. And that's really for the whole program. It's, it's, those are big, big attributes that we look for. You know, and um, and you say, how do you figure that out? Well, there's a lot of questions that get asked. Um, you know, I sat with a young man and his family last week and they asked me a ton of questions. And when we got done, I said, you know, I'm really, really pleased, you know, with your with your character and everything I've heard about you. But I'm most pleased. And I think, you know, you're going to be a part of this program someday because of the questions you didn't ask. And. Um, it just led me to believe that like this guy's not thinking about anything else. You know, he's not worried about things he can't control, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, that's the first fiber we look at, you know, and, and trying to find that out. The other thing is, you know, being a teammate, it's in this world today, it's about, you know, and I know this might be contradictory in competition, what I just said, but, you know, you're on the field with eight other guys and the full team inside your dugout. It's, you're, you know, there's a healthy selfishness to being on the mound and trying to take yours. But at the same time, this is a team game. And, and you, you know, 
being a good teammate and getting out of your own performance and getting into your teammates and celebrating your others and their successes, it's going to come back to you. It's going to. And, uh, you know, finding guys that have the ability to do that. It's not always about me, 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 and give me, you know, I got to get mine. I got to get mine. Um, you know, those, those, those types of guys do really well um, inside our program. And they do really well when they go to the next level too, because, you know, really probably tell you it's, it's hard to find. It's hard to find, you know, and it becomes a different level when you get to the, you know, into professional baseball. I've never coached there, but I, I'm sure, you know, it's more about, you know, a lot, especially younger through the, you know, the lower levels and trying to get to the, the, the dance. Um, you know, it, it's probably less team oriented, you know, from what I've can, can watch and gather, but um, those are kind of a couple things that we really look at. And, and on a mound, it's, it strikes. The game hasn't changed in a hundred years. If you can't throw it over to white, I don't care what your stuff says. I don't care what your analytics say. I don't care what the radar gun reads. If you can't get it over to white, it's not going to matter. You're going to find yourselves in three, one, two, oh counts. And you know, doesn't matter who the batter is in the box. The counts two oh, you're now facing Babe Ruth. So, you know, based on the averages. Right. Well, you know, Said it, said, it, said it so perfectly, but also there's a there's another thing that a lot of people don't really say um, that needs to be said. There's a lot of alpha in that clubhouse, and everybody wants to be the the, the lead horse uh, and 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 set that competitive ways, right? Steal like an artist. I'm reading this book. It's like it's a, the best way I can explain it is, you know, you got to have a rabbit to chase. Kobe Bryant, who's legendary, right? One of the top three basketball players of all time. He said he modeled his game after Michael Jordan. Like go go find somebody. For me, it was Matt Morris. He was an all-star pitcher with the St. Louis Cardinals first round pick. I can say that's part of why I had somebody to chase. He was a junior when I was a freshman. So in your program, I mean you got a lot of studs there. And and you you not only that you're wearing it is a team game, but it's based on individual performances. And you should want to outdo. That's what makes a good pitching staff. I know that. Hey, if you go out, Scott Brown, and you throw seven innings of you know, one hit baseball. Well, I'm going to try to go out eight innings of one hit baseball or no hit baseball. And it, I'm trying to not to, like you said, turn out the lights, turn on the lights and you want to compete. Well, I'm competing against you now. You set a bar to like have bragging rights. Maybe you're going to buy me a, a, an adult beverage after the game if I, I'll do you. And, and they have these little side bets to keep competitive because like you said, the camaraderie, it all comes together when we have the same goal and pulling the rope the same way. But we're also having a healthy, selfish competition to be better than the guy that's wearing the same uniform as us. And it's only because that's what makes a team. Hey, it's the standard. Hey, this guy went out and did it. I just watched what he did in a weekend series against UCLA or Tennessee. Now, now you, he did it and had success. Am I watching? Am I paying attention to what was successful? We got to duplicate that or alter something that, hey, man, they're catching on to us. That's when you make a you know pitching change or alter your pitching game plan or what you're doing in the game. So I love what you said about all that stuff. Um, and, and it's fun to ping back and forth, man, because like you said, uh, I, I think I got one more inning. I think I got like one, one, uh, one semester left. If you need, I think I got one more, <laughs> two more innings left in me. Maybe close it out. I don't know. Go nah, get think... Violation, you know, well, really, I got a whole year of eligibility left. So, uh, I think, uh, I think both you and I would be on that on that short list. I don't want to know. <laughs> I just love I love what Grilly just said because I think you know, like it's what kids and I say this. He it's creating an edge. You know, you talk about out doing your. It can be anything. Like Michael Jordan created an edge every single time he stepped on the floor. It could be you know I'm going to outdo this player on either side, whatever I'm going to do, 
Or it could be like, you know, that coach over there he irritates me. I'm going to show, you know, anything. And it's that, that's what the great ones do. They create an edge. You know, if a guy goes out on Friday night and throws better, throws a great game, like you said, um, on Saturday, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be better than him. That doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just like that's just the edge. And sometimes, you know, I think a lot of guys don't do that as quite as often today. You know, and I don't know where it comes from. But, um, you know, I, I think we didn't even know when we were young, really. We just were doing it. We are just doing it. I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm like, you throw six innings, they hand the ball to me in the seventh. I'm like, I'm winning this game. You know, we're going to go home. You know, that's it. I think it, it's a great segue into another question that we got. And you talk about uh... – you know, finding that edge. And I think um, one of the best examples of that is one of a, a player, a player that you've coached in Kumar Rocker. And you talk about that, um, that no hitter that he threw um, against Duke. And I think about that moment um, where he, uh, Duke called the hitters meeting and to try, I don't know if it was maybe to try and mess with him or probably to, you know, be like, hey, you guys don't really have a prayer right now. Just try and figure something out to to, to get something off this guy. But um, I think about that all the time, and especially with finding an edge. And I remember when he struck that guy out and came off the mound and was like, yeah, go call another hitters meeting. What was it like? The Our question was, what was it like to, to be coaching in that game and watch that performance? And what are some of the things you remember from that night? Well, the first thing is, I mean, I call all the pitches here at Vanderbilt, but that night I called five pitches. Wow. I called five. I, I called the first five pitches of the game, followed by a pickoff. Um, I did call a few after that that were every single one of them was shook to another pitch. And when Phil Clark came in after the first inning, he looked at me and said, it's different tonight. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's different. And I said, okay. He goes, we talked about it. I said, what do you want to do? He, and we're... We both decided, I'm like, listen, let him go. Just let him go. Just you, you, whatever you put down between your legs, if he shakes it off, let him like, and we have that anyways at Vanderbilt. You can throw what you want to throw, but I didn't call another pitch the rest of the night. Wow. None. So Phil Clark and Kamal Rocker, they, they took over and just, you know, you talk to Rock after that game and you say, what were you thinking? I mean, he, he had one thing on his mind. It's like, this team's not losing tonight under my watch. No way is it going on. This is, one of the best teams in college baseball and we've had a tremendous year and we have a lot of work to still do and it's not ending tonight. Um, and that was it. And, you know, the Duke coaching staff will tell you, I mean, they've told me in years, they were just trying to get a pitcher ready, um, which you look down there, it's fine, but rocks moment on the mound. He, you know, he was good at that. You know, like he, he pitched at Tennessee one night and, um, you know, that they were, they were trying to get into his glove and his grips and stuff. And he just looked over and he's like, I'm going to be here all night. I'm going to be here all night long. Yeah, baby. And it's like, you, you can't teach that to some guys like in those moments. It's just those, those come out. And that, that, that's, that's the part I enjoyed about rock the most is just, Hey, you never, ever, ever had to go over and say, are you going to compete tonight or what? It was, you know, he was, that wasn't an equation. Um, you know, there was nights where like, Hey, you're going to throw your fastball a little more tonight. And you go, Ah, nah, I ain't got it tonight. I'm gonna beat him with something else. You know, it's like okay. So um, he, he's he's a guy, and I just heard a funny story about him. Like I guess the Rangers asked him, like, "Hey, you're the only guy that hasn't asked us what level you're gonna be at." You know, going in, into spring training, and Rock's like, "I don't know. I just go out here and pitch." Like, and they're like, well, "Why don't you prove to us you should be in Double A?" Goes, "All right." So you know, it's like it's what it is. Yeah. So who who else? Who else? I'd love that mentality. 
who else are you excited about having on your staff or who do you see some obviously you got boatload of talent that obviously it's like right at your doorstep right you get to you almost get to hand select like who you want the best of the country get to come to your doorstep uh but who do you see an up-and-comer that we should be excited about or we'll be hearing about uh, on your on your opinion well, I mean, the left-hander Hunter Owen right now um, out of Portland, Maine, has thrown the ball tremendous, you know, the last month. Um, and he's, you know, he looks the part at six foot four, 255 pounds. Um, and it's four pitches, you know, mid-90s from the left side. And, you know, he's done a great job of just attacking the strike zone. Um, he, he smothered hitters to this point on, you know, with just his execution. Um, and, you know, the biggest growth for him, and this is good for, for young pitchers, is, he always had the arm talent, uh, body had to get in a little bit better shape, no question, which is just part of it. But I think the biggest growth for him is the emotional stability on the mound. We compete, but we don't need every single pitch to go in our favor in order to have success. You know, um, we don't get out of whack because a guy gets a hit off us or we don't, we don't execute a pitch. Uh, we just keep moving forward, next pitch. And when you take each pitch as a singular like objective, a singular game, you start to you know, attack the game like that, you start to realize that like this, this is a little bit easier to play, you know, as opposed to like hanging on to the baggage of, you know, a couple blue pips, a bad call, uh, you know, a mistake that gets whacked into the gap, you know, it's just moving, moving forward. And that, that comes with, with maturity on the mound. And, you know, he's a guy that's, you know, been, that's probably pushing himself up, up draft boards right now. Yeah, no question. He he's I mean he's been incredible this year. I mean along with the the rest of the pitching staff. But um, our last question here that that I'll throw at you, and this is one that I'm sure you get all the time. I'm sure this is one that's you know uh, not super original because everybody wants to do this. But um, when you look at a program like Vanderbilt, I'm sure that there you know the way that you guys do things there are uh, you know it works. So um, what in your opinion? is the best way to gain velocity because velocity, obviously it's king right now in terms of helping you stand out. But then of course, everything that you mentioned with making sure that you throw the ball over the plate, that's, that's first and foremost. But when you look at velocity, what are some of the things that you do to help pitchers, you know, maybe get a little bit of an edge with their velocity gain, uh, you know, work up, um, up the radar gun. What are some things that you guys do and what would you say to kids who are, you know, practicing right now and training what would you tell them is the best way to help gain that velocity well i think first you know when you're talking about velocity i mean let's take karate for example you know <laughs> we're not all black belts you know and i think you got to understand what development level you're at and you know if you're 13 years old or, and you're you know underdeveloped from a physical standpoint then there is no reason to chase velocity Zero. The number one thing that's the most important to play in baseball is to be available to play baseball. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. You only get a small window, regardless of how good you are. You know, Jason, I mean, Grill Dog's 25, 25 years, Grill Dog, whatever, 30 years playing baseball? 30 years. Let's say it's 30 years. You, you, went, you played to 39, right? I played to 40, man. <laughs> 40. So, okay. So, 34 years of your life, you played a game. 35 years. Let's give it that, right? Window to play that's a, that's a 1% of the world of playing baseball right there, 35 years. So when you look at kids that are playing baseball, their windows, most of them are going to be a lot shorter than that. And if you're derailing that time, chasing things that, you know, 
at the extent of injuries and stuff like that, then you're just, you're shortening your window to play the game. And I think you really got to take a look at like where you're at from that standpoint. Are you physically developed um, at a point where it's like, okay, you know, I'm, I've hit kind of a max growth um, of deals and I, I want to just add a little bit of velocity or something. Um, that, to me, that's, that's a little bit different, different deal. Um, you got to run the race kind of at your own, at your own, your own time frame. The best pitchers to me in this game um, are guys that have the right trajectory. Um, and I, I don't chase a lot of velocity. Velocity is very important to success on the mound. There's no question about it. I'm not saying that, but um, I don't really go out and say, listen, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this velocity enhancing program with this guy and he is going to increase three to four miles an hour and it's going to really change him. It's more of a natural trajectory. You take a guy, you know, that comes out, knows how to pitch, executes his stuff, physically a little bit underdeveloped right now, um, has feel for the baseball, and all of a sudden you put him in a structure and you're like, whoa, you just hit a, a man growth spurt, your body's a little bit stronger, and your velocity's gone up. Things that people don't look at is guys that play at the highest level, the best pitchers in this game, yes, they throw hard, but they're pitching at that velocity. They're not just out there chucking the baseball as hard as they yep. possibly can trying to hit a target. Those guys, Verlander, Cole, Scherzer, they're throwing and playing catch at 96, 97 miles an hour pitching. Um, and, and, and those guys, if you probably ask them, there wasn't a lot of velocity enhancing programs in their life. And I think we get caught up with that. Um, so I, I don't chase a lot of that. I think you do natural stuff like play catch, long toss, strength train appropriately. Um, eat well, you know, your nutrition is an important part of it. Um, search for individual preferences inside your body. You know, not everybody's built the same. You know, you take Jason Grilly and let's use Scott Cassidy is another two guys that grew up in Syracuse, New York that are, you know, pitched at the highest level. You know, Grilly, both guys were really, really skinny guys coming out. Um, Cassidy was 86 to 89 out of high school with plus plus command. Like could throw the ball wherever he wanted. Grilly, six foot four, skinny guy, you know, good movement on his fastball. 45 command, probably coming out of high school, right? <laughs> good breaking ball. Like saw the ingredients. You know, neither pumped iron, like neither chased anything. All of a sudden you fast forward four or five years later, you got Jason Grilly in college, six foot four, 25 pounds stronger, right? Velocity's uptaking big time. You know, Scott Cassidy's at LeMoyne College. He's, you know, been in a college program. Velocity goes up two miles an hour, three miles an hour, but he can execute at a high level, both pitch in the league, you know, and it's like you look at both these guys, they played multiple sports growing up. They played positions on the field in baseball. And then their natural trajectory of playing baseball allowed their growth to take off once man strength and things and, and then you know structure inside routines started to take over so yeah. um you know i'm teaching my own son right now like you know the, the, we're not going to chase velo like you know it, 72 to 75 miles an hour as a as a 14 year old kid and pitching you know who knows where that heads and you know quite frankly i don't care where that heads he loves the game he likes playing it and if you know three four years from now he's 82 to 85 and goes and plays it you know, he won't go to Ithaca College. He'll go to Cortland if he has to go D3. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. Playing baseball, you know, wherever it heads. Um, so, you know, I know it's a long-winded answer, and, and maybe no, one people don't want to hear. But I really just – I think, you know, at the end of the day, we, we have more arm injuries than we've ever had. 
ever. I mean, the game is just, you know, I know guys are throwing harder and that's probably the leading cause of it, but like how they get there to me, you know, your body adaptation, it's huge. You know, yes, it's like taking a car and saying, you know what, we're going to put a new engine in this car and it's going to hum down the road, but eventually there's going to be a breaking point. You know, it's just because the car can't handle it, can't handle that kind of, you know, output. And I think the body's the same way. So how you get there, I really advise people to be smart about it. You know, just try to find a normal, natural trajectory, you know, move better, be an athlete, you know, throw the baseball, throw the baseball. You know, you look at Dominicans that come off that island and they just just throw. They throw, they long toss, they throw things hard. They're not picking up, you know, different objects, weighted baseballs. It's this perfect program and say, let's do this. No, they're like, you know, if they throw something heavier, it's, you know, it's just by natural, like this ball's waterlogged. Let's throw it hard. You know, and I think that's part of it. That hurts, man. I've never picked up a water ball, especially in Syracuse, New York. You have a lot of water. Plenty of waterlogged balls up here in the Northeast. Yeah, that's right. Snowballs, man. Snowballs, real. And it hurts. If you pick up, you're like, whoa, that's, that's going to rip my arm off. Uh, but no, man, thanks for saying that because I think, like I said, development happens at different stages for different people. Don't try to rush the parameters of what you're capable of doing because you might you might shorten your career by trying to hurry up and do something. And I tell people, I go, uh, sorry, guys, there's no Vanderbilt scouts here at this freshman baseball game or Yankee scouts looking right. at you. You know what? If you're not ready for somebody to see you, why would you want to be seen? It's like saying... I, I'm ready to take the test before I studied. Unless you know the material 100%, why are you taking the test right now? The test, and you, Scott, and, and all these college coaches, coaches, you are the bridge between the product of what Major League Baseball and the professional baseball is and what amateur baseball is. College coaches, you guys have really have a, uh, a big responsibility and, and of turning out the product and the brand of baseball that we're seeing. So thank you, because I know – People don't surprise say that. It's a weird thing to say. But the dedication to teach these guys to love and respect the game, I'll say that again, and teach them properly because it's it's all about routine and things that they learn, things that they teach at Vanderbilt or Cortland or Seton Hall or Ithaca. It doesn't matter where you go. Or Juco, even in high school, right? These are all repetitions that you got to get to get a feel. As people say, why do you play the game? For me, I know I played, I chased the feeling. It was an unbelievable feeling when I did all that work to have a clean inning or to throw that pitch with all the crowd yelling at me in the biggest moment to make that pitch and dot it and throw it where I wanted to. Even at Manny Machado, I'll say this, I remember on a failure thing, I did everything right and I tipped my cap. Sometimes you got to tip your cap to the guy who's competing when the lights come on, he's trying to beat your ass and say, hey, you did what you were supposed to do, but I lost because I did everything right. I can hang my hat on that. I can hang my hat on losing when I did something right to say, yeah, I made my pitch, but I got to tip my hat. Because there are other good ball players you're competing against. There are other good teams. And and, and pregame is always the best time to coach and postgame, not in-game. In-game, because I say that a lot too, and, and, and I, I, I shit at the mouth here when I say stuff, but I, but I think it's great coming in from other people like yourself to get different perspectives. Like in game, you're not really coaching at that point. You might be fine tuning things, making sure their heads align or leaving the guy alone, like different night tonight. I'm standing back. You had a night nice night to watch uh, something epic and, and, and wonderful. 
you got to know when to – it's a give and take. Some people like to overcoach, especially these dads, man. Um, I remember some of the dads that we grew up with, they're yelling from the sidelines. They're like, dude, in game, shut shut up. Let the kid do what he's prepared to do. No one's over your – the teacher's not over your shoulder while you're taking the test yelling at you, right? So don't do it during a game. It's It's hard to focus and concentrate enough as it is to just – Trust that. So pre-game and post-game, isn't that when you guys do the most coaching, I would say, Scott? Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, in-game, you know, in-game, it's small adjustments. You know, it's, hey, get a little fast or, you know, slow down. It's, hey, I think you got to, you know, let's throw this guy this pitch a little bit more. He's, I think he's sitting on something. It's small, small adjustments. A lot of time, like you said, it's leaving, leaving the player alone. Um, and I, I think another thing is really important. You kind of hit the, the nail on this grill is that, you know, as parents out there, you, you know, and I'll use your dad as an example. Here's your dad as a coach, Steve Grilly. I mean, I learned a ton from just, and, and at the time you don't know when you're young, you're just, you know, he didn't say a ton to us. He just built some confidence in us, um, you know, pumped us up a little bit, but he modeled behavior. He modeled the right behavior um, and how to parent uh, and how to coach young kids. And, and there's many others, but I'm just using an example because he's your dad. He played at the highest level. He's got a son that's got the ability to potentially play at the highest level. But what he did is he released the experience to you. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about your mom. I mean, it wasn't about them. It was about you. And it was your experience. And all he did was just make sure that you, you know, you had the right opportunities potentially. And he coached you a little bit here and there, but he, he, he didn't, it, he wasn't living that experience for you. And I think parents today need to really understand that this, this is about the kid and the player and, and allowing them freedom inside the game to kind of develop their own, you know, game management, their gamesmanship, take the test, like you said, and play, play. It is so important. Um, we all want the best for our children. We do. We, I mean, it's just the nature of it, but. You know, when, when my son gets off the field, I'm sure your dad said, I just ask him questions like, were you a good teammate today? Did you connect with your teammates today? Did you compete? You know, did you have fun? I, I don't, did you get any hits? Did you, did you strike everybody out? Those questions don't come out of my mouth. And if I do watch, that's the only thing I'm really watching behavior. Did you hustle? Did you play the game the right way? You called it love and respect to the game. But I think if I had a message to parents out there right now, it's like, you know, you ask about velocity programs and stuff like that. It's like, you don't have to do every single thing for your kid. Release the moments to them. Let them enjoy this. It's theirs. Let them take that over. And, and you know, this if you talk to any high-level player or, or high-level parent of a player, that lets that's what they do. That's what they that, you know. And if we had Steve Grilly on here right now, you know, he's not he, he doesn't care. He's not going home at night if Jason at age 16, doesn't throw a perfect game. He's going over to the change of pace and cooking up, you know, as many wings as he possibly can and saying, hey, you know, it's one night. It's for my son. It's one night. He didn't pitch great tonight. Big deal. Move on. You know? So, um, you know, I, I, I know I use an example, but I love him. I, and I, I didn't know at the time. But, you know, you just you learn so much from people at a young age just by watching their behavior. And you, you don't realize it at the time. And that's all our coaches, whether, you know, Mr. Doyle or Mr. Sacco and their intensity and, you know, just the way they did things. And, you know, I really, it's, it's frustrating now when you go to a game and, you know, the parents are hanging on every single pitch, like their son or their daughter's, you know, performance is a direct reflection of them. It's not, nobody cares, you know, 
it, it's actually the contrary. If I go out and recruit and I see a parent that's acting like that, I'm like, this kid's not going to perform when the moments are big because that person's over the top of them. No, like you said too. It's I think maybe it's more over. I think would we pay one hundred twenty five dollars to play Babe Ruth baseball in the summer? I know I paid four thousand dollars for my son to play now. So maybe the parents are a little bit frustrated going to Dick's, you know, take mortgage for equipment and stuff. Listen, I get it. It's it. The game is different, but well said, man. And absolutely, I think that you 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 could write a book because I think like being in a leadership position that you are, you've earned it, man, the, the stripes. I mean, just to see you on the wall with all the greats that are at Vanderbilt, you know, I, can, I, I mean this sincerely. I'll say it even publicly. I said to you behind closed doors, I'm proud that my friend, you've done so well. We've, we've done good for Syracuse, New York, man. And, and uh, I just, I, I wish you continued success. It's been a pleasure watching you develop, watching you in the seat that you're in. And uh, man, I, I am jealous, but I know that uh, if I need tickets, I know I can come, come see you and, and uh, you know, just get some tips for you because after being out of the game, the game the game goes on without you. You borrow it. There's things that I, I forgot more than I've even learned probably at this point. So the coach, it's always I'm always picking your brain. I'm making calls at Brownie all the time, texting them. I even just got a pitching chart. I'm like, dude, give me your pitching charts because I'm trying to do something valuable to the kids and, and, and with, whether it's my son or even their, the, his teammates and even the other side, I want to see competitive baseball. You know, I want to watch competitive baseball. And I think that's what's lacking is that a lot of people uh, have to feel that, you know, it's all about them. And, uh, and yeah, sure, compete. But, uh, you know, I'd rather watch a kid throwing 90 and a kid that can hit 90 square off. It's like saying, hey, Mike Tyson, these UFC fights. I don't want to watch a, a, a heavyweight fight a lightweight you know so i think it's our job as adults and as coaches to say measure up so if you're not capable of playing at vanderbilt don't try for that i mean or try for that you know go as high as you can but if you fall short you're still at a juco you know it doesn't mean you can't make the big leagues because you may not you may be underdeveloped and someone developed faster than you as i said brownie and i were skinny if you look back i look back at pictures i'm like ma did i eat my dinner like often at 12 or 13 because I know I out ate my father. I used to sit there trying to put on weight. This wasn't in the cards. It was just the way it was. But I was out there competing, slinging rocks, and confidence was everything. I just learned how to develop that scary confidence, you know, which is everything when it comes down to it. 100%. Yeah. And Scott, I mean, that we, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, joining us here and uh, I mean, this was great. I mean, not I, not only for you know myself and and for Jason and, but I think uh, a lot of the uh, younger players that are listening to this and their parents are going to really appreciate this as well. So thank you so much. No, you're welcome. I mean, it's you know it's like giving back, but it's just it's fun to hang out with you, you guys and just talk baseball. I mean, it's it is you know it's it, it, amazing too. Is like you know, really, and I grew up together, but you know you. The thing that's awesome is, you know, this first time I, I saw him a few weeks ago, first time I've seen him, you know, I think I saw him a couple years ago. And then before that, it's been a while. But it's like, you know, when you're when you have that relationship and you just kind of stay in touch, it's like when you connect again, it's like you, you don't miss a beat. And I think that's the beauty of, you know, long endured relationships. And, and it's only grown. The only reason it happened is through the game of baseball. Baseball provided us that opportunity at a young age and it's just continued on. Um, and I think that's the one way that, you know, sometimes you can look at baseball like, 
you're throwing an object and it's giving you this great opportunity or you're hitting an object to just do other things in life and have these great circle of friends and relationships that you can just hang on to for the rest of your life. Um, which you, know, you start looking at it, the micro cosmos, that's pretty incredible. Legend and you're legendary to me. I know we, I wrote a book. It was a love letter to my kids. I told you, you're, you got to have yours, man. It's definitely, you got a lot of advice. You got a lot of success. You got a lot of tools and, and knowledge to, to pass on. And, and that's what I love about you the most, Brian. You're my friend, your friend for life, bro. And you, what you did for my kid, give him that experience and inside look. I'm still grateful for that. It, it, it made him light up pretty big, man. So I hope that everybody, our listeners, mound visit, man, with one of the best guys that could come to the mound, Vanderbilt right. University. I haven't been to that campus. You haven't seen. they got a great schedule. Watch it on TV. You might see this guy's ugly mug again if he's coming up to the mound, shining up a ball or giving the guy the best thing to, to do to get that guy out. But listen, Brownie, I hope we have you on again. I wish you much success in your season, brother, and uh, always will be picking your brain, man, because, uh, like I said, you, you continue to carry the torch for Syracuse, New York, man. Love it. Love you too, man. I appreciate it. Case, real dog, thank you so much, and uh, you guys have a great day. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Scott Brown, pitching coach at Vanderbilt University. We want to remind you before you head out, subscribe to the show, Top 100 Sports Network. If you want to watch the show, subscribe to it on our YouTube channel, Top 100 Sports Network. If you want to listen, follow the podcast on Spotify, follow it on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a comment, and also follow us on our social media channels. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Top 100 Sports Net if you want to find some shorter clips there. And as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We've got plenty of awesome guests coming up in the future. We'll be letting you know on our social media accounts who's coming to the show so you can send in your questions. As always, thanks for coming to this week's episode of The Mound Visit. We'll see you next week. Mm